Chapter fifty two of the House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefano. Chapter fifty two concerning a roulau of guineas and the crack of a pistol dangerfield went up the river that morning with his rod and net and his piscatory fetus acatus irons at his elbow it was a nice gray sky but the clerk was unusually silent even for him and the sardonic piscator appeared inscrutably amused as he looked steadily upon the running waters once or twice the spectacles turned full upon the clerk over dangerfield's shoulder with a cynical light as if he were on the point of making one of his ironical jokes but he turned back again with a little whisk the jest untold whatever it was to the ripple and the fly and the coy gray troutlings at last dangerfield said over his shoulder with the same amused look do you remember charles archer irons turned pale and looked down embarrassed as it seemed and began plucking at a tangled piece of tackle without making any answer hey irons persisted dangerfield who was not going to let him off yes i do answered the man surly i remember him right well but i'd rather not and i won't speak of him that's all well charles archer's here we've seen him haven't we and just the devil he always was said dangerfield with a deliberate chuckle of infinite relish and evidently enjoying the clerk's embarrassment as he eyed him through his spectacles obliquely he has seen you too he says and thinks you have seen him hey and dangerfield chuckled more and more knowingly and watched his shiftings and sulkings with a pleasant grin as he teased and quizzed him in his own enigmatical way well supposing i did see him said irons looking up returning dangerfield's comic glance with a bold and lowering stare and supposing he saw me so long as we've no business one of another and never talks like never seems to remember i think tisn't no ways no one's business that's what i say true irons very true you i and stirk the doctor i mean are cool fellows and don't want for nerve but i think don't you we're afraid of charles archer for all that fear or no fear i don't want to talk to him nor of him no ways replied the clerk grimly and looking as black as a thundercloud nor i neither but you know he's here and what a devil he is and we can't help it replied dangerfield very much tickled the clerk only looked through his nearly closed eyes and with the same pale and surly aspect toward the point to which dangerfield's casting line had floated and observed you'll lose them flies sir hey said dangerfield and made another cast further into the stream whatever he may seem and i think i know him pretty well he continued in the same sprightly way charles archer would dispose of each of us you understand without a scruple precisely when and how best suited his convenience 
now dr stirk has sent him a message which i know will provoke him for it sounds like a threat if he reads it so reliant he'll lay stirk on his back one way or another and i'm sorry for him for i wished him well but if he will play at brag with the devil i can't help him i'm a man that holds his tongue i never talks none even in my liquor i'm a peaceable man and no bully and only wants to live quiet said irons in a hurry a disciple of my school you're right irons that's my way i never name charles except to the two or three who meet him and then only when i can't help it just as you do fellows of that kidney i always take quietly and i've prospered stirk would do well to reconsider his message were i in his shoes i would not eat an egg or a gooseberry or drink a glass of fair water from that stream while he was in the country for fear of poison curse him and to think of stirk expecting to meet him and walk with him after such a message together as you and i do here do you see that tree it was a stout poplar just a yard away from iron shoulder and as dangerfield pronounced the word tree his hand rose and the sharp report of a pocket pistol half deafened iron's ear i say said dangerfield with a startling laugh observing iron's wince and speaking as the puff of smoke crossed his face he'd lodge a bullet in the cur's heart as suddenly as i've shot that tree the bullet had hit the stem right in the centre and swear he was going to rob him irons eyed him with a livid squint but answered nothing i think he acquiesced in dangerfield's dreadful estimate of charles archer's character but we must give the devil his due charles can do a handsome thing sometimes you shall judge it seems he saw you and you him here in this town some months ago and each knew the other and you've seen him since and done likewise but you said nothing and he liked your philosophy and hopes you'll accept of his which from its weight i take to be a little rollow of guineas during this speech iron seemed both angry and frightened and looked darkly enough before him on the water and his lips were moving as if in a running commentary upon it all the while when dangerfield put the little roll in his hand irons looked suspicious and frightened and balanced it in his palm as if he had thoughts of chucking it from him as though it were literally a satanic dowser but it is hard to part with money and irons though he still looked cowed and unhappy put the money into his breeches pocket and he made a queer bow and he said you know sir i never asked a farthing ay so he says answered dangerfield and with an imprecation irons added i never expected to be a shilling the better of him he knows it and now you have the reason why i mentioned charles archer and having placed that gold in your hand i've done with him and we shan't have occasion i hope to name his name for a good while to come said dangerfield then came a long refreshing silence while dangerfield whipped the stream with his flies he was not successful but he did not change his flies it did not seem to trouble him indeed mayhap he did not perceive it 
and after fully twenty minutes thus unprofitably employed he suddenly said as if in continuation of his last sentence and respecting that money you'll use caution a hundred guineas is not always so honestly come by your wife drinks suppose a relative in england had left you that gold by will twould be best not to let her know but give it to dr walsingham secretly to keep for you telling him the reason he'll undertake the trust and tell no one that's your plan mind ye then came another long silence and dangerfield applied himself in earnest to catch some trout and when he had accomplished half a dozen he tired altogether of the sport and followed by irons he sauntered homewards where astounding news awaited him end of chapter fifty two recording by john brandon